Let's turn our Bibles back to Nehemiah chapter number 4 this morning. And good to be with everybody here on this Thursday morning. Thank God for Brother Caudill. I appreciate Brother Caudill. He's been out to Utah and helped us in one of our missions conferences. And appreciate all you men. Several of you men has been out there already. Brother Todd has preached out there for us. And we support the Alversons. What a blessing they are and what God's doing there. And just many more. Amen. Appreciate what you've done. Nehemiah chapter 4, as you're finding your place there, uh, we were in Nehemiah the other day when I was preaching, and we looked after Nehemiah realized uh, the great need for his people there in Jerusalem. He concluded that he had an obligation and he had an opportunity to get engaged in the work that was labeled in Nehemiah 4 here, that it was a great and large work, and we looked briefly at how the work that God's called us in is no different, Amen. It's a great and large work, and boy, we are privileged to be a part of it. Aren't you thankful that we get to be a part of God's program, amen? And there's nothing like, listen, we, I've experienced some great things in this life, and, and I've experienced some highs in this life, uh, temporarily speaking, but there's nothing like taking the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and taking it to a broken person that thinks they have no hope and taking that gospel and leading them to the Lord Jesus Christ and watching them get gloriously born again and watching marriages get put back together and families get put back together. There's nothing like that and I'm privileged to be a part of God's plan. I'm sure you feel the same way. And last time we focused on the resistance that Nehemiah and the Jews faced after they committed to building the wall there in Jerusalem. And we looked at uh, the demeaning of the work. And before they ever put their hand to the plow, we looked at how Satan and his imps and the enemies there tried to hinder the work by tearing down their confidence. They ridiculed them. They slandered them. They degraded them. So they simply just demeaned them before they ever got started. And then we looked at the discouragement during the work. And they were in the midst of the work and the same people who determined to band together to build the wall. We find them two chapters later there in chapter 4 that they were discouraged, they were depleted, and they were just simply ready uh, to quit. And so we saw that. And then we looked at the distraction from the work. So Satan tried to get them to quit before the work ever started. Satan tried to get them to quit during the work. And then toward the end of the work, we see where the enemy came along, tried to distract Nehemiah five different times. The enemy sent messengers trying to get Nehemiah to come down uh, from the wall there, get him to walk away from that great and large work. And let me say, distractions will come in many different ways like it did in Nehemiah's day. And listen, you need, just like Nehemiah, to recognize uh, them for what they are. Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 6, 12, he says, And lo, I perceive that God had not sent them. Amen. So he had discernment. Boy, we're missing that in this day and hour. You get on Facebook and you can see that. Amen. We're just missing that godly discernment like Nehemiah had. And we need to understand, listen to me, that every open door is not necessarily a door that God has opened. Amen. I remember in the midst of a, a trial early on, about maybe in year two or three there, we were still in the storefront there in Logan, Utah. And I remember a pastor called me in Florida and a fairly large church 
uh, was looking to possibly uh, get another pastor. He told me, I'd been there 40 years, preacher, and, and I thought about you, and I want to bring you out, maybe let you candidate for the church, and they'll do this and this and this. And boy, it sounded real good, especially when you're in a storefront out in Mormon country, out there where you think everybody's forgotten about you, and boy, the trials are coming each and every way, distractions are coming each and every way. That sounded real good, but can I tell you, that was not a door that God opened uh, for me. And I had to tell him, listen, sir, I appreciate that. I'm humbled that you would call, but God has called me here to Logan, Utah. And looking back now, I'm glad that we didn't quit, amen. I'm glad that we didn't go through that door that God did not open. What was that? That was just a distraction, amen. That was just a distraction. And this morning, I want to preach on this, if you're taking notes. I want to preach on the resolve of Nehemiah. The resolve of Nehemiah. The word resolve means this, to decide firmly on a course of action. And I'm telling you what we need today. I'm talking to Christians this morning. We need some resolve in our life. Amen. Look in Nehemiah chapter number four with me in verse number one. The Bible says, but it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Here we see again some opposition coming as they engage in this great and large work. As you read on in verses 4 and 5, we see Nehemiah goes to the Lord in prayer. Reminds us of those prayers that David prayed in the Psalms, those imprecatory uh, prayers and Psalms where he's uh, asking for wrath to come against his enemy there. And then after he prayed unto God, we come to verse number 6. I love this verse. We see all the opposition, all the degrading and demeaning, the distractions and everything going on. And he prays unto God and then he says in verse number six so built we the wall I'm talking about listen Nehemiah has some resolve about him Nehemiah had some stickability about him look in verse number 21 of the same chapter he says so we labored in the work look in chapter 5 verse number 16 the Bible says in chapter 5 verse number 16 yea also I continued in the work of this wall and then look in the next chapter, chapter number six, because of his resolve in verse number 15, so the wall was finished, amen. We just need some people that's gonna make their mind up, amen, that they're gonna make it to the end no matter what comes our way, amen. We know the enemy's real. We know the opposition's gonna come. We don't know what it looks like sometimes, but we know it's gonna come our way, but we just need to make up our mind this morning, amen, that we're gonna continue in the work God has called us to do. Thank God for those that have made up their mind already. I'm talking about those that have set the example for you and I. I'll tell you one that set the example for you and I is the Lord Jesus Christ. How he never gave up on you and I on the cross of Calvary. And Pastor Gravely said it right the other day. Hey, what do we got to turn back to? Amen. What do we got to go back to? He said he's never wanted to quit on God. And I agree with him. I've wanted to quit in where God has placed me. But I've never wanted to just simply quit 
on God. I have nothing to go back to, amen. My lifestyle was drinking and all kind of mess that didn't please God. The friends that I used to have was like the prodigal son's friends, amen. When the resources ran out, they ran out as well, amen. I have nothing to go back to. This life of living for the Lord is the greatest life that I have ever lived, amen. This life of living by faith. Let me tell you something. It wasn't until I stepped out into the mission field that I learned what it means to live by faith. I was like many Christians, to be honest with you, we live on our own skill set, amen. We rely on our own health. And I think about this, when we got saved, we put great faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his precious word. We're believing in his word that when we take our last breath here, our next breath will be before the Lord and Jesus Christ. But I challenge our people, when, since we've been saved, have we exemplified that type of faith in our lives, walking with God? And it wasn't until I stepped out and left the race team and my wife left the post office and we quit our jobs and we didn't know where the next dollar was going to come from. But I'll tell you what God done. When we, I went to my boss, man, I said, I'll tell you what. I said, you know I've been leaving for three years. It's time to go. He said, Kirkman, you're crazy. Don't you realize what the economy was doing? This was 2008, 2009. And I said, I understand that, but I also understand that God's put a call in my life and we're going to Utah to plant a Baptist church, amen? I didn't know that God was going to end up paying me a salary. That's what that race team done. They paid me a salary for seven months while we went on deputation, amen. And so we hit deputation with a full, full blazing, amen, debt free. Was able to live with my mom since she was a widow and just go out in the highways and hedges, amen, and go out there and raise that support. And then when we got done with that, I remember going into the race team and they said, hey, oh, what do y'all do for missions? Because they're Southern Baptists, Joe Gibbs and his family, and they didn't understand missions like we do. And I told him, he goes, well, what do they support you for? He said, 50 to $100 a month. I said, 50 or $100 a month. He says, well, can we get on board with you and do $300 a month? I said, is that all you got? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I was amazed. And they've been doing that for 10 years now. Matter of fact, gave us a raise. I thought $400 a month now. I'm just saying, I didn't know that God was going to do all that. And you won't either until you step out by faith, amen. I'm just simply talking about having some faith, having some resolve. And one truth about Nehemiah is he didn't have any quit in him. Rather, when faced with adversity, and we read about that in chapter 4 just the other day in verses 10 and 11. Remember, they were well engaged and they were about to quit there. And look what happened when he figured out that his people were about to quit on him in verse number 14 of chapter number 4. We know Nehemiah's name means encourager. And look what he's doing. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. Hey, I'm just telling you, in those hard times, it do you and I some good just to remember how good God has already been to us, amen. He saved us from hell, amen. We can stop right there and just rejoice for just a little while. But he's done much more than that. He's better to us than we would ever deserve, amen. I don't deserve to be preaching in this pulpit this morning. I don't deserve to be around fine folks like you all. I don't deserve to be able to be engaged in the wall that God has placed me upon. But I sure am glad that I am, amen. And he says, listen, Fight for your brethren and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. Can I say there's something worth fighting for today? 
Amen. I'm not giving up on my nation. I'm not giving up on my state. Amen. I'm not giving up on my family. Praise God for these young people. At Mount Logan, we got the girls on this side and the boys on this side. Amen. And they're taking notes just like someone said here. They're not there in the back on their little tablets and phones. And I thank God. I've got hope for the next generation. Amen. And I just listen. I know there's something worth fighting for. And a lot of people don't know this about myself. But when I got in church with my wife in Independent Baptist Church, we left that. We left the Independent Baptist Church and we went non-denominational for a while. I didn't do that in a state of rebellion. I was simply looking for truth. And where I was at, they didn't do much discipleship and there wasn't a lot of answers to my questions. So we left and I just tried finding something. But you know, the Holy Spirit, while I was sitting underneath that man who was a double married man, where they were speaking in tongues, where it was all a prosperity uh, gospel, I was sitting there and the Holy Spirit was nudging me and saying, this ain't right, this ain't right. And I'll tell you, God brought us full circle and now we're back in the Independent Baptist Church, amen. And God used that as a school. We're really the minority because most people that go that way don't come back. But I'm telling you, God used that to school me and when I preach against that mess, I understand it because I used to be involved in the midst of it. Amen? And I'm just simply saying there's something worth fighting for because these churches today, they're not producing that godly fruit. Amen? They're not preaching holiness and separation which don't bother me a bit. Amen? I believe we should be still holy and separated unto God. Not isolated, but separated unto God. And we have something worth fighting for. He's reminding them of the omnipotence of God. Amen. And can I say this morning, when we look in the scriptures here, we find how the Lord had placed his name there in Jerusalem. But in the day that we're living in, in this dispensation of the church age, the Lord has placed his name on the church of the living God. And Nehemiah is looking here at this place that he loves so much. It is sitting in ruins and he took it to heart. And can I tell you in this age that we're living in, we are to look at the church. We are to have a heart for the the church. We are to have a burden for the church. We are to, listen, we are to have a desire to see the church healthy and protected and revived just like Nehemiah wanted to see Jerusalem. And Nehemiah stood and he challenged the brethren there and look what happened in verse number 15. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. Can I say this morning, the effort of worldwide missions cannot be accomplished with just one or two. It's going to take 100% participation this morning. Every person at Bible Baptist Church, every person that is represented here and every church that is represented here has the responsibility and might I add the privilege to advance the missions program in their local church for the furtherance of the gospel. Can I say this this morning? People's depending on you. Bible Baptist people's depending on you to continue this great work. The people of Utah, the people of Guatemala, the people of Israel, the people of North Dakota, the people in the prisons that you go out to and uh, preach the gospel unto them. The people of the Navajo Nation, you just took on Brother Ned. Hey, they're depending on you. And they're depending on you to say, let us rise up and build. Amen. And if that's your response to this meeting, listen to me. You're going to have to determine. You're going to have to have some resolve about you. And Nehemiah's resolve brought a couple things. I'm going to focus really on one for the sake of time. I don't have time to preach all this. But Nehemiah's resolve brought some results, and I want to look at them. First of all, Nehemiah's resolve brought a restoration. 
Not only was the wall restored, but the people's way of life was restored. I could say a lot about this, but I want to focus on my second point. But let me say this. The church this morning, you're, you're a stronghold. You're a strong tower for those that are weak and feeble and lost. And it is the... The church where we see people regenerated and, and restored, amen. And we're going to have to have some resolve about us if we want to be effective in the communities that God has placed us for the cause of Christ in days ahead. But secondly, and I don't have time, I, I wish I could stay there a little longer, but I want to preach on this here. I want to focus on this this morning. Not only did Nehemiah's resolve bring a restoration but it brought one of the greatest revivals we saw or have seen in the Bible. You know, this is Missions Jubilee, amen? And it ought to be a revival. I believe it has been a revival. Wouldn't you say that, amen? I know it's done a work in my heart, amen? You know, revival ain't always running aisles and shouting either. I'm for it, amen? You know that. Uh, but listen, if that's all we do and we don't go outside the four walls of this church and put to our faith then really it's just a bunch of noise amen and I'm telling you one of the greatest revivals we find in the scriptures is here and I believe we find a recipe for that in chapter 8 if you turn there with me quickly this morning in chapter number 8 we see here first of all how the word of God was read and then explained look in verse number 3 of chapter number 8 and he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning unto midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law so here they are they're reading they're explaining in verse number eight with me look there chapter eight verse eight so they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading here is a people that is hungry for God from morning unto midday Boy, shouldn't that put us under a little bit of conviction when the preacher goes past about 30, 40, 45 minutes and we start giving that Baptist salute right there, amen? That's what we do a lot of times. But these people were hungry for the Word of God and they were reading the Word of God and they were explaining the Word of God so they could understand. Not only was the Word of God read and explained, but it was received and executed. Look in verse number 12. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, which speaks of joy, because they have understood the words that were declared unto them. Verse 17, the Bible says, And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and set under the booths, for since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so, and there was very great gladness. What we find is they had quit observing what the law had commanded. They had quit observing the Feast of the Tabernacles which reminded the Jews of their journey to the Promised Land, how they dwelled in those tents along the way and it was when the Word of God was read and explained that they realized they had been committing sins of omission. We preach on sins of commission a lot of times and we should, amen. But you know there's a lot of times that we're guilty of not doing what we're supposed to do for the Lord. And because of this, their hearts were pricked and they decided to make a change. And when they done that, we also find in chapter 9, they started confessing their sins and that's part of it. And when they done that, the Bible said, and there was very great gladness. Amen. I'm glad for the day that I got saved, but I'm also glad for 1 John chapter number 1, verse number 9. 
because there's times I get away from God, amen, and he starts convicting me and pricking my heart. There's times even in this meeting that God has convicted me that I need to do a little bit more. And when you make that commitment to do a little bit more, there's a joy deep within that this world cannot give you. Turn to chapter 10 with me. I gotta move quickly for the sake of time. Chapter number 10 with me. Here they are now in a state of revival. In chapter number 10, verse number 28, the Bible reads, and the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the porters, the singers, and the Nethanims, and all they that had separated themselves from the people of the land unto the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone having knowledge and having understanding. This simply means that they began to obey and do what God was requiring. They removed that which was not pleasing unto them in their lives and put into practice those things which had been neglected for so long, demonstrating a revived heart, and listen to me, a renewed love for God. That's what revival is. It's having a renewed love for God, amen? So he may do things in our life so we can produce fruit that is pleasing unto him. You know, one way that we demonstrate a revived heart and a renewed love for God is by being faithfully, by faithfully attending the church that he died for. We know the verse in Hebrews 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. You can't exhort one another if you're not here, amen. And listen, nobody ever had to beg me to come to church, amen. My pastor never, ever, ever had to ever call me, say, Brother Kirkman, where are you? There's days that I'd work 10 hours at the race shop and go to school in college five hours that evening and still make it, amen, to the things that our church were putting on, amen. So when people tell me, well, preacher, I'm just too tired. Sometimes I just have to shake my head a little bit, amen. But nobody ever had to beg me. Why is that? Because I had a desire to be here, amen. I was excited. Listen, there's things to do in Utah. We are busy, amen. But I was excited to break away just for a little while and come out here to Rossville, Georgia to the Bible Baptist Church and get in on this meeting and what God is doing. Another way we show that we love the Lord and that we have a renewed heart for Him is not only for not forsaking the house of God, but listen to me, getting involved in the work of God. It's one thing just to be here, but I'm talking about getting involved while you're here. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I believe another way we express our love toward God and His work, and I want to focus here for just a little bit as we close here, is when we give to the work of God. And don't get tight on me this morning. Please don't do that. But I want you to understand something. Look with me in chapter number 10, verse number 39. Remember, these folks are revived. Amen. They're restored. They have a renewed love for God now. And I want us to look in verse 39. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the corn, of the new wine, of the oil, and to the chambers where are the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers, and look what they say, and we will not forsake the house of our God. The question has to be asked this morning, in what way or ways were they forsaking the house of God? The answer is simply this, in their given. Look in verse 32. The Bible says, and we made ordinances for us to charge ourselves yearly with the third part of a shekel for the service of the house of 
our God. We see in verse number 32 here the commitment to give. Amen. They had neglected to give and now that they're revived and restored, they're making up their minds that they're going to consistently give to the Lord and His work. Boy, don't that sound a little bit like faith, promise, mission, giving. Amen. It says they made the ordinance for us. They made their mind up about this. They're going to charge their sales that year. It was something they made their mind up about that they were going to give toward the work of God. Then we not only see the commitment to give, but we see the cause for giving in verse number 33. Look what the Bible says. For the showbread and for the continual meat offering and for the continual burnt offering of the Sabbath of the new moons, for the set feast and for the holy things and for the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. The word for is found seven times here in this verse and speaks of the purpose of the given. And the last part of that verse sums it up. And for all the work of the house of our God, the cause for the given. The reason we give the missions, amen, is for the work of God. So these missionaries can go around the country and the world, amen, to plant churches, to build those walls around those communities so people can hear about the gospel and get saved by the grace of God. Not only do we see the commitment to give and the cause for giving, but in verse 34, in verse 35 and 6, we see the cost in the giving. I won't read it all, but it talks about there in verse number 34 how they'd cast lots, a practice of the Old Testament, about who was to bring the wood, amen, for the burnt offerings. And can I say this this morning, that your pastor is trying to build a fire in your soul for his vision and for missions, amen. And it's up to you and I, amen, to bring the wood, amen, to burn. And I'm telling you, doing that is going to cost you something. Talks about bringing that wood. Talks about bringing those first fruits and those firstborn there of the sons and of the cattle. I'm talking about it's going to cost us something when we give to God. And, and that firstborn and the first fruits speaks of not bringing our leftovers to God, amen. He deserves the very best. But you know what happens when we cease to give to the work of the Lord? We know the Bible talks about how we rob God in doing so. We know Malachi talks about that. And they're questioning God, how have we robbed thee? And he says, in tithes and, and offerings. You, you rob God. And let me say this, you also just simply miss blessings. Amen. You can't outgive God. We've heard it a hundred times here. But some of you just need to hear it again. Amen. You can't outgive God. Malachi speaks of when you do, he's going to open up those windows of blessings. And, and I know that's Old Testament, but it still applies today, amen. And we're not prosperity preachers, but can I tell you, we've let them scare us away just like the charismatics and the Holy Ghost. We've let them scare us away from preaching. Listen, it does pay to serve God, amen. He's going to take care of his children, amen. I've seen it, I believe it, and he'll continue to do it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I believe it was Brother Blue that I heard for the first time saying you reap what you sow, you reap after you sow, and you reap more than you sow. And I'm telling you, listen to me, especially those going into the ministry, there is a doctrine in giving. I learned on deputation not to always be receiving. I learned that early on. Amen. I remember we gave to a, to a church plant one time and, and the Lord told me to give just about everything we had. I believe it was around $5,000. And I remember telling my wife, I said, this preacher had made a plea about that. And I said, you know what, honey? Write that check. She says, do what? I said, write that check for that preacher. She goes, okay. 
So she wrote that check. That's about all we had. It was the month of November. And I was told in December, missionaries don't get a lot of meetings because of all the Christmas stuff and things going on. But we wrote the check and by faith gave it and it's for a church plant and we let it go and said, God, it's yours, amen. Can I tell you that month in December, every time there was a meeting to be booked, God booked us and we got $9,000 that month in love offerings alone, amen. Now, it don't always happen that way, but God showed me something that day, amen. You can't outgive him and during deputation, instead of always taking, we started giving, amen. I remember going to... A nursing home, and our family does a little bluegrass gospel, and, and uh, we would go in there, and you know how it is. They just flock to that because they're forgotten people, and we would sing and play for this little old lady. I didn't really know her, but I knew her son, who was a farmer in North Carolina. She was in her 90s. He was in his 70s. And I remember we'd come out to Utah for some time. We'd probably been out here two or three years, and uh, he called me up, and he started crying, and his name was Herb. And he said, Brother Kirkman, he goes, uh, I wanted to come out there and, and buy you a piece of property to build you a church on. And I didn't know where he was going with this. And keep in mind, we had just got the keys to the new building. We were going that day with a pastor and three men to start remodeling the new building that we just got. And he says, I don't know if you heard about this, but mother died. And I said, I, I did hear that and I apologize. And he says, he goes, listen, he says, we sold mother's farm. He goes, and I can't come out there. He goes, my wife's sick with cancer. He says, but we're going to be sending you $25,000 next week for that church plan, amen. I'm just simply telling you, amen, you can't outgive God. And I'm not telling you you're going to start a nursing home ministry that you'll get that, amen. But I'm saying God honors those little things. And if you don't practice those little things, you won't see the big things God wants you to do. Listen to me. Not only do you miss blessings and you rob God, but this is where we'll focus on. When you don't give to God, you limit the work of God. Now, you ain't going to limit God because his plan's going to come to pass, and I'm not an ounce of a Calvinist, amen? But I do believe in the sovereignty of God. I do believe there's an end plan, and whether I quit or I go, his plan's going to continue. I just want to be on the good end of it, amen? But turn to Nehemiah 13. Here we find Nehemiah coming back to Jerusalem, he had promised the king he would come back after his season there doing what God had called him to do. And so he made his promise right. He came back to the palace there in Shushan and then he comes back to Jerusalem to take inventory of what's going on. He, he invested a lot into that work and he wanted to come back and see what was taking place here. He was examining the area there and he finds some things that are disturbing unto him. I'm talking about having some resolve, amen. And look in verse number seven with me. And I came to Jerusalem and understood the evil of Eliashib did for Tobiah. Y'all remember him? He's the, the one that said, if, even if they build something, if a fox go up, it's just going to fall down. And he says, in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. So here he is. And don't you just love those people that criticize everything that you do in the Lord's work, but then when God starts blessing, they want to jump on board like they've been along the ride the whole time? That's what Tobiah's doing here. But look what happened in verse number 8. And it grieved me sore, therefore I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Hey, uh, listen, this ain't politically correct today, but this is exactly what Nehemiah done. He come back, he's taking inventory, he's seeing some things he didn't like because he invested into that work. Here's the enemy uh, involved into that work. And he goes, oh no, you're not going to do that. And I got in my mind just pitching on Nehemiah going over there into his room there, picking up all of his luggage and just casting it forth outside the wall. I said, get out of here. You don't belong here, sir. I believe that's exactly what took place. I look in verse number 20 with me. 
So the merchants and the sellers of all kind of war lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. Then I testified against them and said unto them, Why lodge ye about the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. Nehemiah ain't talking about praying, amen. He's talking about taking care of business, amen. You know Nehemiah's kin to Brother Goolsby here, amen, right? He's talking about taking care of business this morning. Look in verse number 26 with me. Bible says this, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations were there no king like him, who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him that did outlandish, uh, did outlandish women cause him to sin. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God and marry strange wives? And one of the sons of Joadiah, the son of Elisheb, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sanballat the Hornite, remember that name, therefore I chased him from me. Nehemiah's on a roll. He's seeing some things that just ain't right, amen. Reminds me of just an old leather-lunged preacher, rearing back preaching, amen, against sin, amen. I'm not talking about generalized, I'm talking about naming it like it should, He's going in here making sure, cleaning up that business that Satan's trying to do. Satan's trying to destroy the work that Nehemiah done for God. Amen. He's got some resolve about him. He ain't got no quit in him. He's got some backbone in his life. And simply put, Nehemiah worked too hard to see the work that God completed through him to crumble again because of sin and apathy. And when you think about this of his resolve, Nehemiah was more concerned about their purity than he was his popularity. Boy, we're living in a day where preachers won't be popular, amen. And they're compromising to do so. He was more concerned about their righteousness than his reputation, amen. Let me tell you why your man of God preaches the way he does. He's concerned about the purity of the church, amen. He's concerned about your walk with God. He wants to help you remove those things out of your life like they did here. He was that Nehemiah in your life and you ought to thank God for him. But look in verse number 10. Of Nehemiah 13. And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. For the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled every one to his field. Notice the Levites and the singers that did the work of God. They had to go home. They fled because the people quit giving to the work of God. I'm talking about limiting the work of God. If we don't give like we should, God won't work through us like he wants to. Psalm 78, 41, Yea, they turned their back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. I don't know about you this morning, but God's done way too much for me to rob him or grieve him on purpose. We all do at times, but on purpose. He's redeemed me, thank God. He's restored me from time to time. I'm telling you what, he revives me often, amen. He's revived me this week. He's helped me this week. And God showed his love by giving his only begotten son. And the least you and I can do is show him how much we love him by giving back to him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the reason that God's work is limited, but I want to enable the work, amen. In Bible Baptist Church, you have to ask yourself this question this morning. What part are you going to play this coming year in enabling the work of God, building those walls and, uh, and sending missionaries around the world and around the country so they might build those walls in the many towns and cities for the purpose of bringing restoration, redemption, and revival to those people that are lost and dying and going to hell. 
I wonder this morning if there'd be someone here that's going to just make up their mind. You know what? I'm going to have some resolve about me. And listen, if you're going to make your mind up about that, you better make sure you put on the whole armor of God. Because when you make that promise unto God, amen, and you start living out that promise, Satan's going to send every fiery dart toward you he can. And we need to be like the Jews here and just realize, listen, without those walls in our life, we can't be restored and revived. We can't be redeemed, amen. And I thank God for what God's done in my life, but I want to see it done in others' lives. And I don't want to limit God's work, amen. I want to enable it. And part of that, amen, is giving to his work. And you watch God give through you. And you watch God do what only he can do.